welcome back to the Two Man Wall Podcast. This is Match Week 10. I am back with my brother and co-host, Ethan. How's it going? And this week, we had another fantastic weekend of football. The Manchester Derby was up for grabs. Um, Chelsea back to the losing ways, unfortunately. Spurs back top of the table, two points clear. Brighton stumble, Newcastle stumble, Arsenal, Eddie and Ketia goes fucking nuts on Sheffield United. Like, you know, I guess a lot of strikers do nowadays. Was he, was he snubbed for the Ballon d'Or? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. In fact, we'll get there right now because uh, today's intro segment features the 2023 Ballon d'Or Awards. Ethan, do you want to take us through those? Yeah, so if you follow Fabrizio Romano on Twitter, this is a very anticlimactic ceremony because it was reported <laughs> by him three days ago that Messi had already won it. Um, just side note, like, love Fabrizio Romano, most up-to-date, reliable transfer news, but just just keep this one, keep this one on the DL at least. Like, we know you know everything, but like, come on, man, like, at least make it interesting. Anyway. So Messi wins his eighth Ballon d'Or. Absolutely just ridiculous. Three more than Cristiano Ronaldo, more than any other country has won a Ballon (laughs) d'Or. And of course, the controversy is the runner-up, Erling Haaland. Treble winner, top scorer in Premier League, top scorer in Champions League, broke Premier League scoring record in his first season in England, broke... All competition scoring record for a Premier League club in a season and still wasn't enough to get the Ballon d'Or. Was he robbed, Raiden? Yes, of course he was robbed. <laughs> but, I mean, by the way, the, the, if I was the, the sole proprietor, the sole entity safeguarding the Ballon d'Or and who it was given to, I would not give it, I would not weigh the... World Cup so heavily, as important as it is, because Modric, mm-hmm. you know, he also won the Champions League that year, but it was mostly because of his uh, World Cup performance, mm-hmm. almost entirely because of the World Cup performance. I would not weigh those seven games so heavily, if it were me. I would weigh maybe not all of them equally, but the fact that your performance in the World Cup basically determines the outcome of the award, even though it's one month and seven games. It's just. It's not the way the award should be done, in my opinion. However, it is the way the award is done, and it's the way the award has always been done, and if that's the way you're going to do it, technically, by the way the award has been done, Messi should have won it because of his performance, because he was far and away the best player in the World Cup, and I don't think anyone's arguing that. No, and it's, it's so tough because we've never seen a player have a World Cup like that in the same year that somebody has the season that Erling Holland had. Mm-hmm. Like, you can compare Messi's year to Ronaldo in 2002, where one World Cup, Golden Ball, just, just one of the best World Cup performances in history. And didn't do too much else that year. I mean, he was coming back from injury. Um, not a bad year for him, but of course, that performance gave him the Ballon d'Or. But... He wasn't competing against guys who scored 56 goals and won the treble that year. So somebody had to miss out. And it should have been Messi this year because Messi doesn't yeah. even give a shit. He doesn't <laughs> give a shit. <laughs> like, this is just so Adidas could 
posted pictures of him with the eight rings, which is tough as fuck, by the way. Like, I got, <laughs> got handed to them. Like, they, they milked the shit out of this marketing opportunity. Because uh, those are really cool. But, like, Messi doesn't care. Like, it's not improving his legacy. Like, even he was felt bad. He's like, Holland and Mbappe, you'll, you'll win one. I'm sorry I had to take yeah. this one. Like, yeah. Yeah, just, just, just mix it up. Just mix it up. Like, everyone knew Holland deserved it. But, yeah. At the same time, you can't, you can't say, like, Messi completely robbed him because Messi also did have one of the greatest World Cup performances of all time. So, we move on to the awards, and uh, Bellingham wins the Copa, unsurprisingly. Uh, I, I, he was up against uh, Xavi Simmons and Musiala. Xavi? Came second. Musiala, Musiala, right. Um, and honestly, Musiala had a fantastic season and probably takes it any yeah. other year, but Bellingham, obviously, nothing you could really do about that. Um, if his non-Real Madrid days didn't solidify it for him, he came to Real Madrid and was arguably the best player on the planet for a month and a half, so uh, nothing you can really do about that. You'll get him next year, maybe. Um, but yeah, that was pretty unanimous, uh, I'd imagine. Uh, and then Holland wins the Jared Muller Award, which is, you know, just some <laughs> bullshit trophy that he can, I guess he can walk home with something in his backpack. Um... It's it's just the mo- the person who scored the most goals in the calendar year or the most goals in that in that window in the Ballon d'Or window. I I like to call it the sorry we canceled last year's Ballon d'Or Lewandowski, but we're still gonna give it to Messi this year. So here's something for you, for your troubles. <laughs> so and they couldn't just do that one year for Lewandowski because they felt bad. So they've just continued it on. Yeah. And uh, now Holland is getting it in pretty much the in pretty much the same fashion. Where sorry, but it's gonna be messy this time, but uh, here, here's this, here's this trophy that nobody's gonna give a shit about. Yeah, but you take um, what you get. Yeah, and uh, Evan Martinez won the goalkeeper of the year trophy, finishing behind two goalkeepers. Or just I think Bono? I think I think just Bono, um, okay. which is really weird because Evan Martinez also won goalkeeper of the tournament. It's not like Bono did like anything outside of. Yeah. The tournament, really. Like, he's a great goalkeeper. You know, solid. Oh, I guess he did He did win Europa League with Sevilla. So, you know, yeah. that might have that might have pushed him over the line. But yeah. still, like, how, how's Emi Martinez finishing below Bono and, yeah. and still winning the Ashen Trophy? Like, I think, I think it's because <laughs> it's two different votes, maybe. And, like, one is, like, a first, like, everybody, you know, like, it's the world, like, soccer like reporters coalition or whatever they get votes and stuff like that for the Ballon d'Or and but isn't it just Yashin like points just like, yeah and then the Yashin trophy is just like something completely different like a different vote entirely so it's possible but like yeah. usually it's just the same person but like I guess this year it's not it's like same thing as like popular vote versus like electoral college I guess maybe maybe um and in other news I feel like Keemstar reporting on this but <laughs> uh Speed was at the Ballon d'Or ceremony because he asked nicely. I don't even know why. He, There's no way he asked nicely either. <laughs> I, just, I, I can, yeah, I can't imagine any scenario in which Speed does anything politely. <laughs> um, 
So Ethan put together a nice list for us of things, of notable things he did. Um, he called Kvartskelly a carbohydrate. That, he called that was... <laughs> I'm sorry, but that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I was, I was just seeing that, and I was, I was at the gym when I did that, and I literally just like couldn't do my next set because I was dying so hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, just, I guess that's why it's popular. <laughs> that is, and to be honest, like I'm sure there was, if I had known that Speed was gonna be at the Bound Door ceremony beforehand, I would have been very much looking forward to him trying to pronounce Kavart Skelia if he ever met him. So he did not disappoint in this scenario. Um, he called Latoro Martinez Martin, which was slightly <laughs> less uh, imaginative, but still funny. Yeah. And then he asked Emmy Martinez Messi or Ronaldo, because as if there was any doubt what his answer would be. Um, and then he started hysterically crying and I guess barking when yes. Messi won. <laughs> <laughs> and like uh, he's I feel like an old man not knowing what happened. <laughs> No, it's 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 just so funny because like he was like twenty feet away from like Messi when he did this. Like he was like he was like sixth or seventh row. It's like yeah. it's not that big of uh like either. Yeah. <laughs> like he was pretty loud too. Like everyone was just clapping. Like it's not like anybody else yeah. was talking. Yeah. <laughs> like I can I can uh, only I can only hope that Messi like saw him doing that. <laughs> and just, just sure like wondered who invited them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, if you'd like to hear more about that, you can click out of this podcast because we're just about done with that. Uh, <laughs> we are moving on to some real life football coverage. Uh, match week ten to be specific, and we'll start off with Manchester United nil, Manchester City three. Uh, Ethan nailed this prediction head on three nothing. Yep, yep. Just bang on. I don't even I don't I don't know if you did goal predictions, but I, nah, I didn't do goal predictions, but okay. um but yeah, this one I so this weekend I had a regional club soccer tournament, which fortunately we won, which was nice. Go Indiana men's club soccer. But that did mean I had four games in two days, sat two games Saturday, two games Sunday, so I saw almost none of this of the soccer this weekend. Uh, I tried to pick it up through highlights and other podcasts uh, that posted before we did uh, <laughs> to try to get the gist of what went on this weekend. Uh, and it seems like this one was never in doubt for Manchester City. Um, no, not really. It was somewhat competitive in the first half. You know, they had their share of half chances, but uh, City just really looked like the better side. Uh, it was... I'd say it was somewhat even before the Holland penalty. Uh, the Hoyland pull on Rodri in the box that was given after VAR, not initially given by, I believe, Anthony Taylor. Um, in my opinion, just not a penalty. Certainly not after VAR when it wasn't given on the field. Clear and obvious, yeah. again, just is not in VAR's <laughs> vocabulary. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've seen a dozen of challenges like this go unpenalized. I've seen a lot of people compare this one to uh, Gabrielle pulling Hoyland down in the box um, yeah. against Arsenal. Didn't think that was a penalty. And honestly, these, I think, were probably on par with each other. So United, in my opinion, hard done by 
for that one. Um, Holland, of course, slots the penalty away, gives him the one nothing lead. And then after that, it was pretty much all City, and they just looked like they're trouble-winning selves. City haven't been bad this season by any means, but certainly not up mm-hmm. to their best-in-the-world standards. They looked like the best team in the world against United, mm-hmm. the second half especially. After they got the second goal, which in itself was a masterpiece building up from the back, um, mm. and then finding a completely, and I mean completely, unmarked Erling Holland. I have no idea how he got that much space in the back post. He could have had a sip of tea before he had that yeah. into Onana's net. Uh, but yeah, like United quite simply could not touch City in the second half. It was, it was an exhibition. Holland square to Foden for three. Could have had one or two more. United had a chance or two. Rashford got him behind uh, once and just slotted it wide. But r- realistically, United were never in this game. Between the 18-yard boxes, it was 100% City. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the gist that I got. And it's a... It's nothing like we wouldn't expect going in, even at Old Trafford. Like the only reason this game wasn't probably five or six nothing is because it's at Old Trafford, and it probably took, you know, a, gave a little bit of a, uh, you know, emotional edge to Manchester United. But again, the quality is just overpowering right now, and uh, Ten Hogs got, I mean, his seat. It's it's gone from, like low heat to medium heat recently and you know it's edging towards high heat because this is this is a Manchester United this is a club that is how do I say uh not unapologetic that's the wrong word um not they don't they don't really put up with lack of success mm. you know they, they don't have time for that shit same thing yeah. with Chelsea they just don't have time for it um, so if you are not getting them success, you often have a very short leash. Um, do I think Ten Hag will see match week 38? Uh, hmm. I say yes, because he did so well with them last season. Yeah. And I think that if this was his first season, I think maybe he's gone by, I don't know, February, probably they give him the festive fixtures. Uh, and if he, if they're still like below seventh by February, he's probably out of there because, you know, first season, like maybe just not the guy for the job, but last season he took them from a team that was in turmoil, uh, Ronaldo ridden club. Like they were, they were in a pretty bad spot and he turned them around and made him a top four team third to be exact. So mm. he's definitely the, I'm not gonna say the right fit, but he definitely fits this team. Fits United. He can put up with the pressure. However, right now it's just ugly, and the foot. It's it's not even like <clears throat> the eye test says. Maybe they're just getting unlucky. Like they don't pass the eye test. And um, earlier today they just got their ass beat by uh Newcastle. So in in the EFL Cup, mm-hmm. and granted that that was a Hannibal led team, but like still, it's it's a microcosm of of the types of performances and the morale around the squad. So yeah, his seat is hot, but I, I don't think he's close to getting yanked anytime soon. 
Yeah, yeah, I definitely, like you said, for a club as big as United, it's, they can only trust the process so much before they demand results. I mean, they always demand results, but obviously there is a certain degree of leniency. I think that's what Chelsea are probably uh, realizing now, is that if they want to actually see results long term, they kind of have to thug it out right now. and. I think that's what United will do because I think the United board genuinely do like Eric Ten Hag. He's very successful with them last season. I think overall they're happy with the culture change he's brought at Man United. Mm. You know, obviously there have been a few casualties. Ronaldo, uh, Jaden Sancho certainly. Uh, I'm sure Sancho is relishing uh, these United performances at home (laughs) (laughs) and training on his own at Carrington. Uh, but yeah, I think unless results take a really, really big, you know, turn for the worse, Ten Hag will be there by the end of the season. I think it's really just poor form rather than it being a poor manager. I do think Eric Ten Hag is a very good manager. Um, but their form right now is just very, very concerning. I said as soon as they lost their second home game this season that last year it was the home record that was you know the backbone of the team that you know they were not getting beat at home that long unbeaten record at Old Trafford now I think they've lost four of the last six there yeah so it's honestly goes for any team like you really you can't rely on away results because you just you just don't know there's so many you know, variables that can happen when you're at somebody else's ground. But if you control what you do at home, that is the backbone for success. If you do not have good results at home, you simply cannot, you know, be a top mm. club. And they that is the first thing that has to change. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I just think they're not a good team right now. Like, the they quality-wise. Like, the guys that they rely on for kind of consistent performances. I know Veron is injured, but they lost Martinez, which is a big loss. Um Onana's come in as, you know, one of the keepers of the year last year in in club football and been pretty bang average and that's that's a compliment. He's been he's played recently up to bang average. Uh Casemiro's been really bad, almost unplayable to the point where they've brought in Scott McTominay to try to remedy it. Uh, Rashford hasn't been himself. Uh, Hoyland had a nice start, but is really suffering from how bad this team's playing and how he can't get any service. Uh, Anthony is just being flop Anthony right now, which I honestly thought the Anthony signing was a really good signing. I've seen, I saw Anthony play for Ajax, and I'm like, whoever gets that dude is going to be like, I don't know how you cover him. Like, he's that quick and that good at dribbling. And he came in and just like hasn't done any of that. Like it's, I think it's still in there. Like he could very much get shipped off to Roma and be like a really good player. Um, Maybe it's just one of those Manchester United pressure things. Like I don't know. It happened to Sancho too. We all saw what Sancho did at at Dortmund and were scared when United got him. Yeah, and he did nothing. So, but then you have Bruno Fernandez in there who just puts in like nine out of ten performances every single week, regardless of who's playing around him, and. Uh, 
United don't really deserve him right now, to be completely honest. Um, but he, he's their captain, and if anybody's going to lead them out of this rut, it's probably going to be him, because despite all this crap, he's played decently well. So. Yeah, I mean they're not real. They're not missing quality players. The players are just missing that quality right now. Yeah. Like that nobody like Rashford is one of the best wingers in the league, but he's just he's just on terrible form. Casemiro. Yeah. Now Casemiro is a different case because Casemiro is also getting up there in age. So we we know Casemiro is an absolutely class player, like he showed last season. But now mm-hmm. since he's aging, we kind of don't know if this is a dip in form or just <clears throat> yeah. just a natural process of his performances declining. So that's kind of a big question mark. And I mean that's gonna be huge for United because last season he was he was the centerpiece of that team. Like yes Rashford you know was scoring all the goals but Casemiro was the one who kind of turned the form around early on in the season yeah. when he came in. So if they could get, honestly, they just, they really just need one of these key guys, Rashford or Casemiro or, yeah. you know, Hoyland to start scoring goals. I know his, you know, supply isn't that great right now, but they just need one person to just turn it up and that's going to affect the rest of the team. But right now, none yeah. of their key guys are performing. And they do also have defensive injuries, which, yeah. Is you know, is always hard to deal with. I mean, when you're going into a Manchester derby against the treble winners with Maguire and Johnny Evans yeah. in your back line, I don't know what you really expect. <laughs> so Yeah, fair enough. Um, in each of time we'll move on. But we could obviously talk about United for, for so long nowadays. Um we move on to Wolves 2, Newcastle 2. Time to give Wolves their flowers, a team that I had going down and you had just avoiding relegation in 7th, has put in some pretty decent performances recently, including this one, um, hosting uh, Newcastle United at home and drawing. Uh, those goals came from uh, Callum Wilson, the 22nd, uh, Mario Lamina, 36-minute equalizer, a Callum Wilson penalty in the 45th plus 4, and then a beautiful Wang Hee Chan 71st minute equalizer, re-equalizer, I should say. That's how it would end 2-2. Wang Yi Chan, will he ever stop scoring? I don't know. Uh, one of the unsung heroes of the Premier League so far this season. Um, I believe he's on seven? Six? Six? That's crazy. I mean, like, that's tied for fifth right now with, like, Isaac. Um, but... Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's like a new uh, Newcastle obviously missing Alexander Isak. Maybe that contributed to their uh, not-so-fantastic result at Molyneux. But I don't know, Wolves, uh, this is the same stadium that the treble winners came in and got a loss. So maybe this is a fortress th- nowadays. No, this Wolves duo is one of the best in the league right now. May- behind... Uh- the other fantastic Korean in the Prem this season, Hyun Son, and his partner, James Madison, I'd say that these two have delivered the most entertainment of any duo so far this season. Uh, Neto getting the assist for Lamina's goal, and obviously Huang Yi-chan sliding away that beautiful equalizer. Um, but 
Pedro Neto's hamstring injury not long after the equalizer is just absolutely devastating for Wolves. I have I was watching this game live and I haven't heard many stadiums as silent as Molyneux after yeah. he's been great. Pedro Neto went down. He's been absolutely fantastic. And even I was extremely sad after seeing that because I mean he's leading the league with seven assists this season and he he's just cooking out there. Or he was. Uh it's gonna be about six to eight weeks and Honestly, I don't really know how Wolves do without him. They do have Kwang Yi Chan, who's on great form, but he's also not getting that supply now from Neto. Uh, there's only so much you can do by yourself. Uh, so just a devastating blow for a Wolves team that have been really defying expectations. I mean, this is a big result against a great Newcastle side. Obviously, they beat... Uh, Sydney a couple weeks back also drew against a uh, Villa team that is also flying. So Gary O'Neill has this team getting some big results right now. And the Neto injury is just the absolute last thing they needed. Mm. So some, someone's going to have to step up for them. Maybe Cunha takes on a bigger share yeah. of the goal scoring and creative aspects. Uh, maybe Kalajic starts getting some starts and just whipping balls into I think yeah. was he like six seven like yeah no I mean he he scored two like late winners already this season so yeah Isn't he has Trey the clutch factor. back with uh back with Wolves is he I think he may be on Fulham <clears throat> oh yeah you're you're definitely right yeah he's on Fulham. he's back in the I prem, knew he though. had a new club yeah, yeah yeah um but they have Matt Delkerty back. So maybe uh, a little bit of old magic from him. Getting the gang back um, together. Yeah. I actually drafted Matt Doherty in fantasy this year as like with the last pick because I know nobody's going to take it. I'm like, mm, sneaky Matt Doherty. Maybe he like goes back to his like three, five, two days. Um, <laughs> he did not. In fact, he probably is like one Premier League start of the season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Wolves, I mean, I had him going down and they were like, what am I safe, sneak, safe yet sneaky picks to go down? Right now they're sitting in twelfth on twelve points, um, and a point per game usually gets you out of there. So right now, well on pace. Hey, they're tied on points with Chelsea. I mean, not a bad place to be in the Premier League usually. Um, but not yeah, there are a lot of clubs right now. Are, but <laughs> <laughs> they are, yeah, there are certainly some clubs that are worse off than them. Again, it's one of those. I said it like on a lot of these podcasts, like. These bottom three teams are just really shit this year. Like, really bad. Like, Burnley looked bad. We'll get to them later in the pod. Uh, Sheffield also we'll get to later in the pod. They are horrendous right now. Luton Town, you know, play at a bandbox stadium and really don't have a ton of talent. Like, it just seems like there's a there's three bang-on relegation candidates right now. So, like, it's probably going to take a lot to crack that, to be completely honest. And a win against City, a draw against Newcastle, like, that's going to... That all but does it, honestly, unless you capitulate. Like, if you keep this standard, I know you lost Neto for six to eight weeks, but if you keep this standard, like, safety at this point, at, in this season, it's going to be tough to get relegated with these, with how bad these three teams are playing right now. So, I don't know. I think I think I might have to rescind that that prediction at this point, um, even 10 games in. Um, but we'll jump over to Newcastle real quick. They, taking a look at their form, Two draws from their last three games. Usually, 
it was draw, win, draw, and then two wins before that. But like usually nowadays, you're thinking Newcastle might put in some better performances than that. But um, I don't know. In the Champions League, draw against they lose to Dortmund. They lost one nothing. They lost to Dortmund. Yeah. Um. Yeah. With how well this like top four. Spurs, Arsenal, City, Liverpool, and then Villa, who's been fantastic, sit above them. Like, I guess six tied on Brighton, t- tied on seventeen with Brighton in seventh, isn't the worst place to be. You're still ahead of United. Um, again, like this top four is more or less locked this season with how good Liverpool have been, and with Aston Villa on their tail, like maybe you just like accept that this is a Europa League season, and you're probably not going to snatch another Champions League spot. Um, Newcastle, like, they probably, I think on, like, the betting sites, they're probably, like, sixth favorite to win the Champions League, seventh favorite, like, as, if they, if they can get out of this group, like, they can get, like, a Benfica in the, in the round of 16, you know, like, they they probably could beat them, I don't know, I don't, I'm not gonna look at the UCL groups right now, but, like, six is not the worst spot for them, honestly, like, Hey, I, I, they, they're probably on par with Ajax's talent on paper when Ajax made that run, and they had to get, had to have a miracle happen not to reach the final. So like, the Ch- the Champions League is made for Cinderella runs, and I think a Cinderella Newcastle run towards the Champions League. Maybe they don't win it with how good the cities are this year, but I think they have more of a chance of having that Cinderella run in the Champions League than they do cracking this top four. To be completely honest. Because I think it's just locked up. I think that is an absolutely ludicrous take. <laughs> I'm just you, saying, you think they have I'm a better saying. chance of winning Champions League? <laughs> I've, I think they have a better chance of making the Champions League semifinal than cracking this top four. That is fair. I guess that's somewhat fair. I, I also don't think they have anywhere close to Ajax 2019 level talent. But Daily I, I see what your team. <laughs> okay, they also had Frankie Diong, Prime Ziyech, Prime Tadic. I don't like own, great Prime Onana. Tadic like, is like, come on, Delict. <laughs> no, dude, no. Pri- this is Prime Tadic. Like Prime Tadic, Tadic is like is like Payet. Yeah, Prime Payet is fucking crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, but like I don't know. Like Gamares is good. Like. I don't know. This team is good, and they're probably going to make some January signings. Like, I think they are solid enough to make a semi- Champions League semifinal run. Run. They, they'd have to snatch the quarterfinal away from, like, uh, I don't know, PSG again or something like that. But they could do it. Obviously, they could do it. St. James on a quarterfinal Champions League fucking Wednesday? Are you kidding me? I don't want I would, I would not want to send any team in history in there to play. 0809 Barca would go in there and get a win, but it would not be easy. Yeah, listen, listen, they can make a semifinal run. I'm not I'm not discounting that. I mean, almost every year there's one surprise team, at least one surprise team in the Champions League semifinals. So they definitely could. Uh but yeah, I don't think they're anywhere near Ajax level talent. And Ajax and Ajax should have been in the final. So it's not like you know, there's a big gap between these, like, you know. Cinderella semifinal runs. Like there was like that Villarreal team from like a year or two ago yeah. who got just as far as that Ajax team, but they're yeah. worlds away in terms of yeah. talent. But now we're getting Francis Cockle another Villarreal team. Yeah. yeah. 
We're comparing Francis Coughlin to Frankie De Jong in midfield. Like, let's <laughs> let, let's calm down here. Yeah. Um, but that I just like think that it's going to be very tough to crack this top four this season. So like, no, it will be. Yeah. So these draws, you know, well, last season you could be like, damn, like we're gonna miss those points at the end of the season. This year it could be like, okay, like maybe we snag snag and snag an FA Cup or something like that because. Top four is going to be rather difficult. Almost more on Liverpool losing form than you gaining form. And Villa, by the way, who are sitting one point under Liverpool. So, that is what I'll say. And with that, we will take you around the grounds to round out match week 10. Starting off with Crystal Palace 1, Spurs 2. Spurs go in to Selhurst and keep the ball rolling. Elephant hasn't fallen from the tree just yet. Uh, they are two points clear. I believe it was Sun and Madison who I think it was is making own a goal own goal? Son. Right. Joel Ward. Yeah, it was. I'm thinking it's usually Sun and Madison, so that's a safe bet. Yeah. But this <laughs> week it was a Joel Ward own goal. Uh, and then Hyungman Sun in the 66th. Jordan Ayu with a pretty decent goal in 90th plus four, but that would be a mere consolation as Spurs go into Sellers and get three points. 76% possession. Ange Ball is absolutely cooking right now, and there's nothing you can really do to stop it. Uh, now, I heard a take that I honestly wasn't even thinking about before this, but Spurs have had the easiest schedule of anybody uh, in the first 10 games um, based on uh, like table position. Um, mm. Not that they haven't been tested, because they have, but you know, Arsenal's a test. You know, United, they got that win. Still a test back then. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, they still have, have had to put in performances. But, like, I'd like to see what happens when they go to uh, <clears throat> St. James, which Arsenal will have to do it next week or play uh, Manchester City. Honestly, Manchester City, they'll probably have their number, if anything. So, uh, but, yeah, hasn't fallen from the tree. Two points clear. What more can you say? Just, just waiting. <laughs> yeah, just, just hanging around. <laughs> uh, Chelsea nil, Brentford two. A nice uh, one week vacation for Chelsea fans. Unfortunately, expired. We are back to our regularly scheduled disappointment. Uh, the goals came from Ethan Pinnock in the 58th, and then a Brian Buomo goal that was more or less a empty netter. Um, with the goalie pulled, but. Yeah, this is another case of Chelsea just having a lot of possession and doing nothing with it, and then not getting scored, not scoring and getting scored on, as the Schwartz family likes to say. Uh, 2 0, Brentford is the final at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea's team has not snapped yet. We are still waiting for that. I love how you said. <laughs> I love how you said Chelsea fans one week vacation, and that vacation yeah. was choking a 2 nothing lead against yeah. Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> Which is honestly <laughs> paradise. No, I mean they perform well <laughs> and they got a point off of Arsenal. Like, <laughs> yeah, compared to their other results, not bad. Speaking speaking of Arsenal, Arsenal five, Sheffield United nil. The twenty twenty four Ballon d'Or window has just opened, and right now Eddie Nketiah is technically the favorite. <laughs> uh, he has three goals in this one, a natural hat trick at that. The third one being an absolute howitzer. From like 24 yards. Um, 
but you got him got him from all kinds of places. The poacher, the good first touch in the box, and the long shot. Um, Fabio Vieira in the 88th on a penalty, and then Takahiro Tomiyasu's first goal for Arsenal in the 90th plus six caps off a trounce of Sheffield United 5-0. Sheffield United sitting on one point through 10 games, negative 22 goal difference. Uh, that's, that's definitely <laughs> damning. Um, I'm no, uh, yeah. I'm no aficionado, but that is, it's not so buena. That's Sheffield United are at the point where people aren't talking about whether or not they're going to be relegated, but whether or not they're going to be worse than Derby County yeah, in the Derby 2008. County, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's not a conversation you want to be in ever. So. <laughs> uh, Bournemouth 2, Burnley 1, a massive win for Bournemouth, taking them out of the relegation zone. They sit on 6 points now in 17th, one point above Luton Town. Uh, a devastating loss for Burnley, who now sit in 19th on 4 points, 2 points off of Bournemouth uh, for escaping relegation. Yeah, this was a crazy 6-pointer. Um, you know, not a game you're necessarily going to watch consciously, <laughs> um, but it's a huge one at that, and I can imagine that all fan bases were uh, of these two teams were looking forward to this one because these are the games you need to take three points in if you're going to survive at all, and Burnley right now are doing all the things that a rele- relegated team does, and that's lose to other relegated teams, or potentially relegated teams. Yeah, we gotta talk about how big of a fraud this Burnley team is. Yeah, oh my god. Because coming coming into the season, we were thinking, okay, they absolutely cooked the championship last year. Company is playing Guardiola ball. Like they're gonna they're gonna be pushing like mid table top half and they've just been dreadful. Like I, I can I cannot believe how poor this Burnley team is because again, like historically teams who dominate the championship like they did do really well in their first season. Yeah. And if you would expect any manager to you know do well in the prem it is a Guardiola, you know, disciple. So, yeah, yeah, really surprising that Burnley have struggled as much as they have. West Ham nil, Everton won another big win for a relegation-threatened team. This time it's Everton who go to the London Stadium and get three points against West Ham. Um, underrated result, must I say. Everton have looked very poor, but somehow st- snuck in a win. In this game, this was a DCL winner, I believe. Yes, it was in the 51st, and a nicely taken one at that. Uh, They jump into 15th place on 10 points. Um, Two wins from their last three for Everton. Um, Looked pretty doom and gloom after the first couple games, but they've pulled together a little bit, and they might just sneak into the 2024-2025 season yet. Yeah, I mean, three wins from the last five, like... Yeah, they're they're starting they're starting to cook a little bit. I mean, with Dominic Calvert Lewin back, uh, I mean that's literally Sean Dyche's dream striker. Yeah, so sure. he'd rather have this Calvert Lewin over a prime Messi, just more useful yeah. to him. Yeah, uh, Messi could never fit into the four four two. No, to the four four two tactical not. setup. Not at this age, <laughs> um, Brighton one, Fulham one. Uh, Brighton probably disappointed enough to take three points here. Fulham at home with the way they've been playing. Um, their boys Matoma have cool, cooled down a little bit. Estupanan's been injured. 
but yeah, good point for Fulham. Jao Paulinia, one of the leaders of this team, gets the equalizer. Um, not really much to say about this one, but uh, can't really complain if you're a Fulham fan. Um, Brighton now sit in seventh, tied with Newcastle in sixth. And then Fulham in 14th, tied with Crystal Palace and Wolves and Chelsea, who all sit above them on goal differential. Aston Villa 3, Luton Town 1, another game that really not much to talk about, but for good reasons for Villa fans, because this Aston Villa team taking care of business against teams they should be taking care of business against in their current form. Uh, John McGinn the 17th, Musa Diaby in the 49th, and own goal um, in the 62nd. And then an Emiliano Martinez reactive on goal uh, loses the clean sheet for himself. Um, but this one was pretty dominant uh, wire to wire for Aston Villa, as you expect against Luton Town at home. Liver- and last but not least, Liverpool 3, Nottingham Forest 0. Another expected result. Liverpool rolling right now. The goals keep flowing. Uh, Jota in the 31st, Darwin, Darwin Nunez in the 35th. And then Mo Salah, because he can't go a game without scoring nowadays, in the 77th, uh, rounds out a pretty convincing win. Uh, 73% possession, eight shots on target to one for Liverpool. Um, Would you like to talk about Liverpool? Yeah, I want to, I just want, I don't really care that much about Liverpool, but I want to talk about this Darwizzi resurgence that we're witnessing (laughs) here. Because with the... uh, screamer he scored against Bournemouth today in the League Cup that ended up being the winner. He's now on a cheeky little uh, three-game scoring streak. Uh, And he's been playing well this season, too, in terms of assists as well. Obviously, he had that huge performance away at St. James's Park. Uh, He's starting to to cook a little bit. And I'm sure all football fans will rejoice seeing this Darwizzi form. So... Just want to give him a shout out. As he probably deserves. As he does. And with that, we will roll into some Match Week 11 coverage that will consist entirely of Match Week predictions, as it always does, starting off with Newcastle hosting Arsenal at St. James's Park. Ethan, what do you got? Yeah, so going into this game, two teams... Very, very different results. <clears throat> Arsenal having just been hammered by the Hammers, 3-1. Uh, just very poor performance from them. Definitely their worst of the season so far. And Granted, Newcastle did not have their four best players, but continue. Is a fair point. And Newcastle going into Old Trafford and winning 3-0. So both teams coming off of very different results still think Arsenal are going to win this one because this season they have seemed to bounce back really well after poor performances after they lost away at Lons in the Champions League they went and beat City at home after their disappointing performance in the 2-2 draw against Chelsea they went and smashed Sheffield United at home beating Sheffield United is a huge accomplishment but they did win 5-0 and you can only play the team you're playing and they beat them quite handily uh so i think arsenal are gonna bounce back just like they have in the past this season with a 2-1 win at st james's park Hmm. yeah i don't know where to go with this one because 
I think if Newcastle had Isaac, this would be. I don't think there's any way Arsenal take three points. Just it's a tough place to play. Um, Newcastle have had some iffy moments there in the past. Newcastle with Isaac are pretty strong. They've had a good season this year so far. Um, Arsenal coming off the back of a bad performance in the EFL Cup. However, Arsenal played really well against Sheffield, as anyone does. But again, it's a nice game to come off of because you're you're clicking a little bit. Um, Newcastle missing Isaac didn't really play well against Wolves. The their goals were, you know, whatever goals. Um, it was a penalty and then a couple of rebounds. I think is what Calum Wilson scored off of. Um, looked pretty shoddy defensively when they usually look pretty strong. So I do think I'm gonna lean Arsenal here. They are missing Jesus, so you know. But Enkethi obviously stepped up. Not really any injuries elsewhere. One nothing. And then Spurs hosting Chelsea in a technically big six matchup. Do Chelsea take anything off Spurs right now? No. (laughs) They don't. (laughs) Spurs Spurs just look unstoppable right now. And Chelsea look like they can do nothing except be stopped. So (laughs) uh, Spurs playing at home. The vibes will be immaculate. Uh, I <laughs> I feel like I remember uh, Big Ange uh, saying a quote this week that you know that a lot of managers want to make their want to make their stadiums a fortress, but he wants to make the Tom Hotspur Stadium more like a nightclub, and I think that's what it's sort of developing into this season. Mm-hmm. And I think the nightclub is going to be bouncing after this result. I'm going to go 2-0 to Spurs. I'm going to say, like, 4-0. Like, this is, like, is going to get fucking ugly. And, like, Chelsea are, like, sitting ducks right now. That's what they are. The, like, the last two goals they had in the league were an accidental penalty and an accidental cross. Like I'm not gonna get back into that because I went on a huge rant and don't it's <laughs> don't like trigger me again. Um, but they played like shit against Arsenal and they played like shit against Brentford. I don't see them getting even past the 25th minute with an even scoreline here. Four uh, nil is my prediction. And now we move into our closing segment. And our closing segment this week has to do with the Ballon d'Or, but it's not the Ballon d'Or we're talking about this week. We made our own Ballon d'Or list. Our own top fives. We're giving out two, I I guess it's not year of the year, because the Ballon d'Or isn't of the year. It's like October to October or something like Mm. that. (laughs) So Ethan is doing a meme d'Or list, and I am doing a soccer moments d'Or list. So top soccer moments of the Ballon d'Or window. Uh, I'll go first, because I think yours is going to be better. All right. <laughs> not that mine's not going to be entertaining. <laughs> um, so, first honorable mention, uh, Newcastle 6, Spurs 1. That was, that was a good moment. That was a fun Fantastic. moment. Um, one of the, you know, big games of the, you know, big six year. Uh, one of the big shock results of the big six year. Obviously, Spurs didn't have a great 
season, but um, you know, it's definitely at the time seemed like a pretty significant result, uh, for a team Newcastle team that hadn't hadn't really announced themselves, uh, until they solidified that top four spot. We get into number five, and number five is the alleged Manchester City financial fair play breach and the ensuing potential sanctions and memes that followed. That was a pretty wild moment and a moment that we all took way more seriously than we probably should have because nothing ever <laughs> happens to City. Um, but in the moment, it seemed like the end of soccer as we know it. Like they were going to get stripped of their titles. Um, they were going to have to, you know, uh, give a title to like a Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, like, or whoever <laughs> it was, Mourinho, second place team, because their title would get stripped. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty cray cray, it for those two weeks and then eventually it settled down because nothing ever yeah. bad ever happened <laughs> to City, um, but that comes in at number five. Uh, number four, the Johnny Infantino today. I feel Qatari speech, <laughs> and I just I remember laughing at this like it was yesterday. This is one of the all time favorite speeches. Just. For the ignorance, for the <laughs> comedy, like it was, it's so good. For the memes afterwards, like, <laughs> ugh. And like three of these five have to do with the World Cup, as you might imagine. Uh-huh. Um, but this one, this one was a great, really funny soccer moment. Um, not that these are necessarily graded by funniness, but this it's just a mm. just one of the iconic, just notable. Yes. <laughs> Number three. Third place, the bronze door, if you will. Bronze soccer-related moment door. Martinez holding the World Cup Golden Trophy up as his penis. (laughs) Great moment. (laughs) Fantastic moment. I mean, no one could have possibly made the Gold Glove presentation a top three moment of the year besides Dibu Martinez. And he did. And credit to him. Was it disrespectful? Oh, yeah. It was terrible. (laughs) Uh, however, it was a top three moment of the year for its substantialness. In front of the entire world, he faked like the trophy was his <laughs> member. <laughs> and number two, Liverpool 7, Manchester United 0. Another just iconic moment of the year yeah. mm-hmm. uh, for Manchester United to just get blitzed like that by a Liverpool team that was really bad at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh just very funny. Very funny. Very memeable. Um, for everybody but Manchester United fans, this was an, a very, very iconic moment of the year. Even more iconic than Martinez holding the World Cup Golden Glove trophy up to his groin section. <laughs> In that first place, not to be boring, not to be sentimental, but Messi lifting the World Cup. That is the ultimate moment of the year. No one's going to top that. Uh, I didn't mean... I, I mean, I could have left it off and just said this is like... 1A, just like it is the best oh. moment, but like had another one and, and maybe moved up Liverpool's uh, seven man you know, but like it just is the best moment of the year. And it's probably the best moment of the decade, to be completely honest. So uh, that's the list. That's the list of the top five moments of the year. Any objections? Any ones you can think of that could have slept in there? Uh, no, nah, this, is, this is pretty solid. This is pretty solid top five. Uh, I mean, there's, there's no debate about the number one spot. I still... Yeah. I still watch like the like messy like lifting World Cup edits on TikTok yeah. and it still doesn't yeah. get fucking old. Honestly, I'll <laughs> say I'll say like 
like not only Messi lifting the World Cup, but like Argentina celebrating the World mm. Cup was yeah. probably part of number one because that was just wild what they did in Buenos Aires. Well, I think just the final itself. I mean, yeah. so yeah. you could make a top five of things around the final. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it could be its own category. Like the Dibus, I mean, the Martinez save. Like yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Just the there will never be a crazier game of football, and it's almost a it's almost a disappointing reality. Like I'm gonna watch thousands more soccer games in my life, yeah. and I will never have the same emotion. I will never feel <laughs> the same level of emotions that I felt at that game. It will never yeah. be repeated. So yeah, great yeah. list, great list. Fair enough. On to you, Ethan. All right, coming in at number five on the short list for the meme on door. It is the Kevin James shrug meme. Sure. Uh, could even be higher. Could have been higher. I, I, changed this, I changed this around a lot last minute. There were definitely some last minute changes. It started off higher. I won't lie to you. Um, okay. but some recency bias is, in there, but yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to give in too much to recency bias. I also don't think it's quite as versatile as some other things in here. More of like mm-hmm. an Instagram, Twitter meme, not as much on TikTok. You know, got to be able to do mm-hmm. it in multiple competitions, you know? Sure. So, sure. listen, we're using the same Ballon d'Or criteria for this, so. No, you're not, actually, because you only need to do it in one competition. If you're the Well, you have, to do it, you have to do it in the right competition. <laughs> That's right. Okay, fair. Uh, coming in at number four, probably another controversial one. Definitely could have been higher. It's the Diary of a Wimpy Kid turnaround meme. Uh, oh, yes. Very yeah, good. You know. yes. Uh, I don't remember what the actual song sounds like anymore. That's how much I've seen this <laughs> meme on TikTok. Uh, yeah, it is. Honestly, I think it's more a matter of timing that it's this far down the list. It kind of like overlapped okay. between, you know, Ballon d'Or voting. So if mm-hmm. it just waited a couple months, it could have won it. It could win next, next year. year, maybe. Yeah. So uh, just a matter of unfortunate timing, but. I literally see this everywhere. And, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good one. It's pretty creative. Uh, and gotta respect everyone because good movie. Uh, and coming in at number three, uh, it's the Mike O'Hearn Baby Don't Hurt Me meme. <laughs> the, what is love? Baby don't hurt me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, it's just the really Jack dude. Um, just like mewing. If, <laughs> if oh, you yeah. don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you weren't able to put it together. Uh, yeah, I, I really hope I'm not going to have to explain some of these memes because I don't want to have to do like the sounds too much. But anyway, the, <laughs> this was a, a real yeah. Gen Z in our uh, demographic. So I think it'll be OK. Yeah, hopefully. Um, but yeah, Sorry, this Dad. was this was really <laughs> this is a really popular one probably earlier on in the year. Um, but it's I still see it now and then. So it's it's kept up its form over a pretty Pretty long stand. I think that's why I put it so high on the list. Because um, it is, it's not a very creative meme. It's really stupid. It's just like a sentence and then kid named like whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that was good. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. No. So it was, it was funny, but then like people took it too far and it just became stupid and like it was literally just like gibberish. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. And then number two on the list is Walter White, someone cooked here. Yeah. Meme. Just the whole cooking thing. Yeah. yeah. I think that was this year. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, was probably really popular, I feel like, over the summer and, like, leading into this fall. Yeah. But Let him cook. A, yeah. 
yeah, but like you said, part of uh part of the cooking meme in itself. Uh just like just really just really easy, really usable. Just anyone does anything good someone cooked here. <laughs> and also again, keeping in like the Ballon d'Or type of criteria, you know, you have to have a good team around you and just the breaking bad memes in general is sure. are just go they're just good and you know, always been very popular, very successful. So Worthy of the second spot on this list. But coming in at number one is the Zoolander, excuse me, bruh. Sure. Sure. Um, just no like, arguments for me. Just like Messi's Ballon d'Or win. It was only for about a month-long period between November and December, but it was absolutely glorious. Uh, mm. And similar to the Breaking Bad memes, also the other Zoolander memes during this time period yeah. were... Just phenomenal. So, yeah. I mean, it's really the only two things I remember from December were Messi winning the World Cup and Zoolander memes. So, <laughs> Zoolander is the meme on door winner of 2023. And, and yeah, I don't, I don't think it's robbed this time. I think, uh, I think one that deserves maybe a top five spot is the um, Vince McMahon, uh, both of them. The um, the one recently where he's like crying and like oh yeah, like the hand motion. He's, no, like, it's a great about Eddie Ketia's yeah. hat trick against Sheffield. Like, <laughs> that's a great one. Yeah, but and, again, uh, it's so recent. The, um, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. yeah, but they, it was paired with the uh, the he was special. He was special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Could deadly duo. I don't know. No. Maybe that 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 definitely could have made. Maybe the it's just a so- maybe it's just a soccer one, and a lot uh-huh. of the the memes I consume, especially on Twitter, are soccer yeah. ones. So. Maybe we could have bias, had a separate but... category for soccer memes alone, because mm-hmm. definitely that one was a big, was a big yeah. one in, in that respect. But uh, not not quite, not sure. quite this year. Maybe next sure. year. Again, th- this most recent one with the yeah, yeah, that's good. A little overused, yeah. but mm-hmm. I like it. Every time it comes up, mm-hmm. I'm like, it's yeah. well done. It's mm-hmm. well done. Um, no no complaints for me. But with that, we will round out the podcast for this week. Two, I mean, last in the last couple of weeks, you've had like one feature game. This week, I think we got. I mean, I don't know if you could really call Tottenham Chelsea even a feature game at this point. But if you want to, yeah. there's two. Mm-hmm. Um, but Arsenal Newcastle. I mean, that should be a good game. Like it's very tough yeah. to go to uh, St James Park and Arsenal, one of two unbeaten teams this year, maybe in jeopardy. Who knows? Um, but with that, we will say goodbye. Adios. See you.